You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser on Bloomberg Radio. Yes, indeed. Bloomberg Business Week. Carol Masser, Paul Sweeney on this Thursday. And our next guest, man, he's worn a lot of different hats. He was a lead singer in a band. He was a military <laughs> police officer, a trial attorney, and, of course, former mayor of Kansas City. He's known for wearing uh, bow ties. I was lucky enough to spend some time with him at our Bloomberg Equality Summit last year. He's also a graduate of the Bloomberg Harvard City Leadership Initiative, which is an educational program uh, for the nation's mayor, sponsored by Bloomberg Philanthropies, of course, founded by Michael R. Bloomberg, who is, of course, also the founder of Bloomberg LP. We are delighted to have with us the Honorable Sly James. He's now focusing on building cities for our children and he's prioritizing education. He had a book that came out over the summer, The Opportunity Agenda, A Bold Democratic Plan to Grow the Middle Class. And Mayor James joins us from Kansas City. So nice to have you back with us. How are you? I am fine, Carol, and thank you for having me back. And, and Paul, nice to meet you virtually. Uh, but Carol, if uh, I don't know if I'm still honorable, I'm no longer in office. So I know. Um, <laughs> you tell you tell me if you're still honorable. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to be. Well, Sly, it is good to have you here with us, and I really I, I remember our conversation well, and we we talked about a lot of different things. First of all, I want to know how are you doing, and how is your city doing? Um, the pandemic has certainly you know, brought, uh, you know, to the forefront, once again, laid bare things that have been existing in our society for a long, long time. And yet we're now facing them again. Hopefully, we get smarter about where we go forward with them. But tell me how you're doing. Well, personally, uh, we're doing great. You know, I am one of the fortunate ones that can uh, effectively, efficiently and productively work from home. Um, but I do recognize that the problems, uh, if any, that I have are champagne problems compared to the problems that a lot of folks are facing. Uh, this pandemic and the economic upheaval that's caused, along with the social upheaval, is kind of like the perfect storm. Every fissure and crack in our society is being opened and laid bare. People are able to see it. And one thing about uh, these uh, these disruptive times is disruption is an opportunity for innovation and new thought. And if we look at it like that and recognize that we've got problems and work on them, we may be able to bring some new ideas to the forefront and solve some of these problems. Sly, how about in, in terms of education? We've, you know, we're now here in August and kids around the country are back at school, some virtually, some physically, some hybrid uh, model. But what we've seen from last spring and, and now in the fall here is minority students are really at risk here of, I guess, falling through the cracks or certainly at a disadvantage in this new virtual learning environment. What are your thoughts there? Uh, well, first of all, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think minority students, but I'm going to broaden it out to say children who live in poverty uh, are, are all uh, at an extreme disadvantage. They do not have access to the resources. They do not have access to broadband. They do not have access to the hardware. They do not have access to the innovative ideas that money and uh, higher resource levels are able to bring that their more well-heeled counterparts do. Um, the problem that we have, of course, is that it would be one thing if we were at the top of the heap and we were talking about an incremental fall that puts us someplace in the middle of the pack but we're not at the top of the heap as a society in education. We're falling faster and faster behind other countries. So every kid in this country is falling behind our competitors around the world. And our kids at the bottom of the ladder are about to slip off and fall into the abyss. These problems have been there. 
Uh, they are now just being laid bare and open uh, because of this pandemic has forced us to look at them in a different way. It's not uh, the good news is, is that people are looking at them in a different way and maybe some incremental change is going to happen. But without a systemic approach to it, without an intentional approach to it, we're going to continue to have the same education gaps that we've always had. They may shrink a little, but it's now time to look at it for what it really is a disaster for the long term economy of this country and fix it. Well, what you just said, a systemic approach, it's a systemic problem, so it needs a systemic approach. So if, if you could list, I don't know, a couple of things that we need to do already, because I'm so tired of the conversation. I'm not tired of the conversation. I'm tired of people talking about it, but not doing something. What would you say we need to do, Sly? Well, first of all, I think we need to find political leadership that's not afraid to lose. Um, and by that, I mean... We can't have leaders who will do anything to stay in office, even if it means giving up ideas and ideals that they know are valuable. We've got to have people that are willing to say, I'm going to fight for this, and if I lose, I lose, but I'm going to fight for it. Uh, we need sustained leadership to focus on this. And this, and, and it can't be subject to the normal old uh, Democratic-Republican rebound uh, philosophy that we see so often, where one party gets in, does something, dribbles the ball for a bit, the other ball comes in and steals the uh, other team comes in and steals the ball and dribbles in the opposite direction so that at the end of the day, neither side is doing much of anything except dribbling away from each other. We need people who are in charge who recognize this. Number two, we have to recognize that people, people need to find a way. We need to find a way to bring people together in such a way that they actually influence and impact the leadership. Not talking about lobbyists not talking about business. I'm talking about people who say this is important to us. And frankly, I wish I had a magic wand for it, but yeah. I don't. Uh, but I do think that we have to start educating little by little the importance of early childhood education as a precursor and a foundation, eliminating the 30 million word gap. We need to focus. We need to force more resources into the zero to five space which is going to help on the long-term solution. And on the short-term solution, we really need to tackle the third-grade reading deficits that we have because up to third grade, you're learning to read. and From third grade on, you're reading to learn. Right. So obviously, if you haven't learned to read very well, you're not going to learn very well. well uh, it, but all of this starts with conversations like this, Carol and Paul, and, and mobilizing people to understand how valuable what we're talking about really is. So I'm just thinking, um, Sly, all the things that we've talked about and, you know, the children who are living in poverty and the disadvantages and the importance of making sure that everybody gets a good education because it really makes a difference, you know, in your lives um, or in their lives. And I do wonder how you think about the vote in November and the outcome of that vote and how that could possibly change those things. Well... I think that there is a lot of sentiment that the vote is being driven by whether or not you like Donald Trump. Um, and frankly, whether or not you like Donald Trump may be good for the vote in this particular instance, may affect change. But at the end of the day, that's going to wear off pretty quick and people are going to have to stand on their own merits. So the question then becomes, what are you doing for me? Okay. Uh, Winston Fisher and I, when we wrote the agenda, we deliberately wanted to point out that people should ask, uh, that people in leadership should say, here's what we are doing for you. Uh, and maybe if they can internalize that, it, they will stop doing so much for themselves and do more for you. 
But at the end of the day, uh, what we need is a new approach to leadership. We need a better and different coalition between business and government. Uh, we need more P3s. Here's an example of a P3 possibility. One P3 possibility to address the uh, child care situation would probably be more on the local level, mm-hmm. but with businesses where government and local businesses would enter into a P3 arrangement with businesses so that those businesses engaged would have access to high-quality pre-K with some government help, subsidies, tax credits, whatever the case may be, so that then there could be some quality control. Another opportunity for P3s would be to have uh, something like what uh, Anthony Fox did with his transportation grant, challenge grant. It was about uh, access to broadband and transportation, et cetera. But have challenge grants so that you could have some incubators of some ideas. Incubators, for example, on the issue of early childhood education. How does business and government uh, combine their efforts and resources to improve our quality pre-K system? And you incubate those, you see what works, what doesn't work, you smooth out the wrinkles, and then you, you scale up from there. Things that take time. But to be honest about it, the chronic issues that we have in this country, poverty, systemic racism, economic inequality, educational inequality, will not be changed until we have sustained leadership that is able to implement policies, programs, and, and, and resources in a strong enough, long enough, consistent enough way that you can actually tweak it, make it better, improve it, get rid of the things that don't work, improve on the things that do, and right. continue to go forward with a single straight line. We don't have that because every four or eight years, the other team grabs the ball and dribbles in the opposite direction, whether or not dribbling in the other direction was a good idea or not. So, Sly, that sounds to me like in order to get these big problems addressed, it's going to require, obviously, some some type of bipartisanship. And, you know, it just seems like the political divide in this country, certainly in my life, uh, is as wide as it's ever been. Um, Now, I, I read a lot of presidential biographies, and the author talks about doesn't matter during our 250-year history, there always was political divisions, but it just seems more so today. Does that almost preclude finding viable solutions to big problems? It certainly doesn't help, but here's an idea. Uh, When I was trying to get the Kansas City Metropolitan Bar Association to increase its diversity and inclusion back in 2002-2003, after hearing a lot of really great intentions. The one thing that I found that worked was money. And, and by that, I don't mean you had to give them money. But when the clients that they were making money from said, we insist on you doing this, uh, all of a sudden things started to change. Hmm. So here's an idea. Bring back earmarks, okay? I know it's going to sound weird. Bring back earmarks. If Republican Senator Joe needs to get some money for something in, in whatever state they're in, and that means they have to collaborate with Democratic Senator Jack in order to get it done. Notice I use Joe and Jack because it's probably going to be more likely Joe and Jack as opposed to Jill and Jane. But at any rate, if they have to collaborate and work together to get that, then all of a sudden they have to actually talk to each other and agree on something. Okay? And as long as they have money at the center, and it means that they can use that money to bring stuff back to their, um, their states and take credit for it and put themselves on a pedestal, they will work together better. It's not lost on me that the last time there was a really balanced budget in this country, not balanced, but a reasonable budget, was the last year of earmarks. And ever since then, it's been by continuing resolution. 
So right. bring back earmarks. Make them work together for money. And frankly, that might actually work. Working uh, together without earmarks hasn't done much of anything. Right. So maybe you try something different. Um, really great to check in with you, Sly. Thank you so much. And hopefully we can check back real soon and wish you good luck, certainly, uh, on some of the initiatives that you're working to really continue uh, to help. You know, really, I know you're not officially in public service anymore, but certainly continuing with those initiatives to make things better, especially when it comes to education in your communities. Um, Sly James, of course, he is former mayor of Kansas City, co-owner of Wickham James Strategies and Solutions, uh, author of The Opportunity Agenda. That book came out over the summer. Uh, Joining us on the phone from Kansas City, Missouri.